0: Hey guys, welcome back. It's the brand new episode of the 13th Man Podcast. We are hitting, I think, what, almost, this is 20, episode 25?
1: 26, 25 was 26. a
0: Tuesday. Yeah, see, even I'm losing track of all the episodes that we've done. It's crazy to think that it's already been, what, three months since we started this adventure? Yeah. but you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah the whole time we've been in quarantine so that's great yeah,
0: crazy kind of being productive during quarantine but as always this episode is sponsored brought to you by Ma- Doug Clooney's Maximum Football we will be announcing the winners of our giveaway so stay tuned for that one it is a crazy episode today uh, we got Henry Burst CFL, uh, CFL Hall of Fame first first eligibility ballot Uh, Edmonton name change that came out, I don't know, not even 20 minutes before we recorded this, Uh, Dave Naylor interview with Frankie that he's going to talk about, we're going to announce the winners, and then we also have uh, Marco Dubois interview uh, later on in the episode, so you'll want to stick with that. We'll get started with the Henry Burris CFL Hall of Fame inductee, one of the six or seven members inducted into the 2020 Hall of Fame class. Uh, I think, you know, maybe a little bit of recency bias on this one, but probably the biggest aim of anyone not named Huffnagel in this class. They they were part of the Calgary. They won a great cup together in 08, so it's fitting.
1: Part of that simply comes from the fact, though, that they inducted guys like Clyde Brock, who played, you know, from 1965 into like 19... 75 i think we're here so you know me being someone especially considering i didn't start watching football until like 2013 i have no idea who clyde brock is right i've heard of the name i don't know what he is as a player so i mean other than henry burris and and huffnagle here like and i guess maybe freddie childress like i really don't know who too many of these people are other than that but uh you know, Henry Burris is the one who easily has the biggest impact on me considering, you know, I've grown to love Henry Burris.
0: Yeah, and I mean, for the ones who don't know, um, and it's fine because they don't really talk about it, the, the, it's, not, it's more than just like a CFL. It's the Canadian Football Hall of Fame. It's not the Canadian Football League Hall of Fame. So there are two nom- like two guys who were nominated or are getting inducted. For their youth Sports, not like for their youth Sports contributions, not their CFL contributions. One of those guys is Larry Utech. Uh, he served as an assistant coach with Saint Mary's head coach. The following year, five-time Atlantic University Associate Coach of the Year. Um, he was the athletic director uh, for the. He had two Vanier Cups. With uh, and this guy just has a crazy amount of accolades. Uh, for the, you know, Atlantic Conference of U-Sports. Uh, the Atlantic Bowl, which I believe is the, you know, U-Sports uh, AUS Championship, if I remember correctly, was renamed the U-Tech Bowl in 2003 for him under Larry U-Tech. So that's a pretty good thing, being inducted Doctor Hall of Fame for your U-Sports. And the other one is former Calgary, a University of Calgary Dinos quarterback from 79 to 83, Craig Vavra. My bad if I butchered that name. Not intentional. But he had some crazy stats. Uh, Over 8,000 passing yards, uh, 63 touchdowns. In a a time where passing wasn't that dominant, uh, pretty good. He only went on to play 55 regular season games in the CFL uh, with three teams. So... Obviously, U sports recognition is huge. But the big one is is Henry Burris being the first ballot. That's, I think, mean, the big thing is the first ballot.
1: Yeah. I mean, I watched – I don't know if you saw this video, but there was a video that the CFL came out with today where they sat Henry Burris down at home. And, you know, they showed him the video of him getting inducted into the Hall of Fame. And, you know, he's breaking down in tears. And I'm watching that, and I'm like, you know, I wish I could have watched this man play football longer than I had. The chance to. Oh man, you got
0: to see him! Like, I feel bad for for anyone who didn't start watching football until the Red Blacks came in to the league in 2014. When it comes to Henry Burris, when it came to Ricky Ray, you know, I don't even think you got a chance to see Calvillo.
1: Well, I mean, not not to the full extent. I, I I would watch the occasional game, and I know how great Calvillo was. But like, like like I said, I wish I would have got to see more of those kind of guys.
0: Yeah, and I mean. I I understand how the impact of like not having a team in the city has on people not watching the league, but as someone who watched Burris with Calgary, who who saw these quarterbacks, Burris being a first ballot Hall of Famer, fantastic. Uh, I think it's great. You know, we'll see Ricky Ray probably. I believe because he retired like probably in twenty twenty one or twenty twenty two, whenever he's eligible, he'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. And Ottawa fans who were fans of Ottawa since he came, like, didn't watch him when he was in Hamilton or in uh, Calgary, you know, you missed out on a prime Henry Burris. Yeah. Because what Ottawa fans saw in Henry Burris was what you, what Calgary and Hamilton saw on a week-to-week basis, but even, like, even better than what we saw.
1: And that's that's so amazing, too, because – you know i i will never ever 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 in my life forget the story of the 2016 gray cup that that is something i want to talk to like i want to sit down on a park bench and talk to henry burris about that game for a whole day you know the the story behind that and you know if you if you were a cfl fan in that year you you know the story already of him being injured in the warm up and coming out and ultimately playing the game of his life and going out on top. And that, that moment to me was a very special moment. I can only imagine what that was like for him. And I could not be happier to see Henry Burris in the Hall of Fame.
0: Yeah, And he gets a lot of blame. I've seen a lot of people blame him for the outcome of the 2013 uh, Grey Cup between Saskatchewan and Hamilton. Saskatchewan was just primed to win that. Like, if you watched the encore when they aired that game – Saskatchewan was primed to win that game. Like, they were just they, – they lost to, to Montreal in 2009, 2010. Like, they built up this elite squad. If Henry Burris was stayed in Hamilton, they beat Calgary in 2014. And it's just – Henry Burris, you know, I think this is the thing that makes the CFL different than any other sports league. We don't talk about – we don't talk about rings rings don't matter for a quarterback in the same way that it does in the NFL. Because, you know, you ask most CFL fans, who do you think the greatest quarterback in CFL history is all time? And they'll probably say Anthony Calvillo. But he's also like three and five in great cups.
1: Well, I think rings matter for sure. But, you know, part of what makes Henry Burris so special to me isn't just what he did on the field. You know, it's what the kind of things he did off the field, too, that were just as incredible. You would see him at his kids hockey games, you know, like I remember refereeing and his kids were there and I'm, you know, looking, <laughs> looking for Henry Burris in the stands. You know, he was he's normally there. He's a fantastic person and he has had a massive impact on the Ottawa community since his team started.
0: The one thing I will give Henry Burris, the one thing I'll never take away from him, and one thing I love about him, he treats everyone the same. Yep. Um, I was working downtown. Uh, he was walking out of the, this is when he was still with CTV and still working for them. Uh, he walked out of the CTV building and talked to us just like we were, you know, the people in the newsroom. Like he didn't care that we weren't in the newsroom. There were people like he just, he treated everyone the same. He, gave, he treated the janitors with the same respect that he treated the CEOs. Yeah. And I think that's what made Burris, you know, why Burris is so loved in the CFL and in the, the Ottawa community.
1: One more thing quick before we move on, because we do have a lot of stuff to get to. I think my favorite memory with Henry Burris is actually after they won the Grey Cup. Uh, if you remember, the Red Blacks had a QB club at the Prescott uh, just a couple of weeks after they won and John Gott was there. Henry Burris was there and they had the great cup. People wanted autographs from Henry Burris for the entire night. Henry Burris ordered his food at six o'clock and he took his food home in a, in a bag at nine o'clock because he just signed autographs the whole night and never once complained, never once stopped smiling. You know, he is the epitome of uh, a fantastic person. And I couldn't, like I said, I couldn't be happier to see him in the Hall of Fame right now.
0: Yeah, and I mean, he's, we need to get him on the show. Hopefully, we can get something worked out with him shortly. I know he's a busy, busy man, so hopefully, we can get him on the show and we can, you know, talk more about this. But you know, some big news at the at the time of the recording, uh, it came out. Uh, Ryan Rashog, I believe, was the one who broke it. Who broke that? It sounds like internally, the Edmonton football team has decided to change their name. There should be an announcement sometime next week about it. So that's pretty big news. That's pretty big uh, developing story right there. I mean, I'm not surprised with Washington, with the way Washington went. Um, You know, I think it was just a matter of time before Edmonton was to do it. It's just a matter of when they actually do it.
1: Yeah, I I think this is going to be a very quick process to drop this name. And...
0: It depends on merch, right? If Adidas is, if New Era is telling them, like, hey, if there's a season we can't get jerseys out there in time, you know, could they just play a lot this season as the Eskimos and then for 2021 be like, okay, we're going to rebrand and become, you know, the Edmonton Empire, for example?
1: I would almost think it would be more likely to see them play this season as the Edmonton Football Club as opposed to the Edmonton Eskimos.
0: But you're still going to have the Eskimos. Unless they want to spend the amount of time de-stitching Eskimos off their jerseys, it might just be easier to stay. If it's a six-game season, who cares? If it's an eight-game season, who cares? What's it going to
1: do? I think at this point, it's just about establishing that you've decided that this is wrong. And I think it would be a terrible look if they'd kept using it into the season. And I know it's a short season, but at the same time, unless they've already gotten these jerseys, which
0: I highly doubt.
1: Exactly. I think that they could, I, I would see them more with the possibility of playing with unbranded uniforms and with Edmonton football club as a generic name for the season, as opposed to uh, continuing to play under the Eskimos moniker, because they've decided that that is no longer acceptable. And it would almost be hypocritical to continue to use it for a year, just because you can't destitch or buy new uniforms
0: yeah but at the same time though like I feel like it's so late in the year that it's either you should just deal with it uh, like I think the timing of it's all wrong like all wrong like this isn't the this isn't Washington where the season hasn't started and you have plenty of time yeah. to come out with a new name if they if this was halfway through the season they would finish off the year as the Eskimos and then just be like starting in twenty twenty one or starting at whenever we're eliminated, we will no longer go by the Eskimos. We will... So, I feel like there's a certain level that we can... uh, There has to be a compromise where we give them the benefit of the doubt and let them do it for, like, six weeks or however long the season's going to be because they would be using it right now anyway. So, not just going to switch the name halfway through the year.
1: But I think there's also a difference that you kind of have to... Take into account too of under norm, normal circumstances, sure, the year would already have been started. They probably wouldn't change it then. But simply because that is, you know, the middle of July right now, I don't think that's a good enough excuse to use that name going into the season.
0: I mean, hey, they can just be like, hey, we're changing our name and there won't be a 2020 season anyway. So that's, I, I, I think I, it really I, depends on what happens with the season.
1: I don't know. I, I,
0: don't think it will be that you don't, difficult. You don't want to sell it, like. I I don't know. Maybe it's just like as a fan, you you're gonna be supporting like an un, like. There's so many variables to this.
1: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, as far yeah, as as far as it goes too with the uniforms, um, they don't have to the it's the white jersey that would be the problem for me because. The green jersey that they have, they have the alternate one that doesn't say Eskimos on it anywhere, except for on the pants, and they don't have to wear those pants. No. So, although it would be incredibly ugly for them to wear that all year, that is an option for them in the home jersey, and then you only have to pull the stitching out of half of them.
0: My my question is that, are they going to drop the University of Alberta or whatever, like, colorway? Because that's how they got, like, these were just too cheap. So they started using, uh, it was the University of Alberta uh, or University of Edmonton colorway because they, the owner was, like, an alumni. So he got all the, he was, and they dismantled their program. So they just gave it to him. You know, that interesting, so, like, interesting
1: that you say that because I've actually been working on an article that I'm just ranking the uniforms in case, you know, I don't have anything to write about for a while. I'll put that out. But my main complaint about the Eskimos has always been that they look like the Green Bay Packers.
0: Okay, so, well, to be fair, they actually had the they had the colorway before Green Bay did.
1: Yeah, but Green Bay is definitely more famous now.
0: Well, yeah, because you know American media, but you know that's like saying that you know, I mean, there's not really any other team that has changed the color like stolen a color.
1: No, I don't. I don't think stealing a colorway is exactly bad. I. Th- I thought what made them look like the, the Packers is just the way that their Reebok jerseys look because they were just a genuine ripoff of Packers uniforms Yeah, because for the
0: most I, part. For the longest time, the, the Reebok was doing both the NFL and the yeah. CFL. That's why. It was just to cut costs.
1: But I, I would be interested to know, too, we might even put out a poll. For fans of Edmonton, would it make it better for you if they kept this, the green and the gold, or would you rather them – or does that make, not make a difference to you? Like, I know there's people that say...
0: Time to just re- recolor. Imagine if they went to, like, orange and blue. Orange, like an Oilers colorway. It'd be, it'd be weird, fantastic. but... It'd be different. You don't have a navy and orange. Yeah, you have an orange and black, but you don't have, like... And But maybe they stay the same because there isn't a yellow and green colorway in the CFL.
1: Even then, I think it depends if they want to keep the logo and everything. Which... Keeping the logo would make this transition a lot easier. And again, they've already trademarked Empire, so I think the easy transition here is It'll to go be the
0: one Edmonton Empire.
1: Yeah, the other some of the other names too that I've seen tossed around are Edmonton Express and Edmonton Elk, or Elks, <laughs> which I think is this dumb. I'd rather Elk, but
0: I think what like people are going to complain about Empire. I just have a feeling that people are going to be like, they're just going to complain about it. They're going to talk about how it's oppressive. And that, you know, empire is is a derogatory term that shouldn't be used.
1: People are going to do that, though, no matter what they change the name to. Because at the end of the day, the people who are upset that this name is being changed will hate no matter what name they pick, right? The whole The whole point of this name being changed is that people that are in the group that it is Referring to don't want to be called that. You know, we wouldn't name a team the Rednecks.
0: I mean, why not? Well, that's it. I mean... I don't think Rednecks would care. Yeah, but that doesn't
1: mean other groups don't, right? So I think that there's...
0: I think my issue with all of this is that you can really... If you look at team names for a lot of them, you can find inappropriate or offensive meanings behind every name.
1: Yes, but it has to be, you cannot, you cannot take a name out of context to make it that way. Like I have seen people that are saying uh, we should change the red blacks name, but that's, you, you can't do that because that is not what the name is referring to. The name refers to the colors worn by the professional sports team teams in Ottawa.
0: I mean, it was also the colors during the Spanish war and whatnot. There's a, there's a huge history behind it.
1: But they, not, they like people, they people really are say. saying, people that are saying the red blacks uh, um, would offend people of two different colors, is ridiculous.
0: I mean, I think I think my issue is is that you have teams like the Vikings, the Cowboys, the Buccaneers, the Celtics, that you know people talk about culture appropriation, and the the culture that gets appropriated the most is Irish culture, and it's people are like, oh, it's not a culture, but it is. You're you're St. Patrick's Day, everyone pretends to be Irish and get drunk. Like, you know, the Celtics, there's nothing really wrong about it, but you look at at Vikings and Buccaneers. The history of both those names aren't very pleasant. They both have very, you know, very violent uh, histories attached to those names. Not to the teams, just the names that they use. You know, why... And, you know you have argonauts as well like there are names that have very the the names are attached to a very bad history but no one talks about that why do we have it why why do we have because even cowboys you know cowboys have a very they have a history you know uh you know the whole cowboys versus natives and all that stuff very dark you know very suppressive history attached to the names that they're using the words that they're
1: using yeah i think it just because like especially for the the washington team that it, it's a racial slur right you can't walk around calling people that and i think it's different for you know a team called the vikings like vikings don't exist anymore pirates don't exist anymore well for the most part but
0: um so if, so, so if we had like you know, so so with that with that mentality you're saying that if it doesn't exist anymore it's okay to use even though it's a, a for me the, okay so let's say for example under that mentality let's say you know nazis were not a thing at all anymore let's say 100 years a 100 years in the future there's no more nazis in the world and it seems like hey we're going to be called the nazis that's okay
1: no but i think that's also an, I, I don't know. It's a tough situation, and we have to move on because we're going to run out of time
0: quickly. Um, so I just think well, that, like, you could, like, I understand the need to change the name. Like, I, I have no issue with Edmonton changing the name, but there are other names that get ignored for no reason. And then people are like, oh, you, you wouldn't name a team like, you know, Caucasian, but, but you do. We have a team, it's called the Celtics. Most Irish people are white. Most Vikings, because they were north, you know, they, they lived in the north of the world, were white. So, like, yeah, they may not be straight up called, you know, it'd be like a team of being called the barbarians. So I feel like there, there's definitely some, there, there's a double standard when it comes to certain names, because there's a, a certain group that can be labeled, can say that they're offended, and they're not going to care. People aren't, aren't going
1: to take it seriously. Let's let's move on to what Dave Naylor said about the season, uh, because we could go on about this all day, and we are running over the twenty-minute timeline that we set for ourselves. But um, quickly, Dave Naylor uh, had a conversation with me, consisting of a couple of direct messages back and forth. Um, and if you didn't read the article that we shared, essentially what he told me is that he does not anticipate there being a CFL season this year. Um, Simply because uh, the calendar is not on the league side at this point, you know, to September, we're talking about less than eight weeks right now. Um, And, you know, the, the factor that leagues that have way more money than the CFL right now are struggling to put on their bubbles. Uh, MLS has had a couple of scares. Basketball has had a couple of players test positive. As we know, Austin Matthews is the face of NHL players testing positive for COVID-19 right now.
0: Thank you, Steve Simmons. Yeah. Fucking
1: asshole. <laughs> That's a different story for a different day, though. Um, but the good
0: news, the good news
1: about what Dave Naylor told me is that if the CFL does not play this year, he does not think that the league is going to fold. Unlike Braley, that old ass man that owns the beast. Braley fold. Yeah, I'm starting to really hate that guy, <laughs> but. Um, so, that's good news for the CFL. The bad news is, obviously, that it doesn't look like we're going to have a 2020 season as far as Dave Naylor is concerned. Um, that doesn't mean that the CFL isn't still working to do it, but the, they are really down to crunch time right now. And yeah,
0: well, uh, well, sorry to cut you off. No, uh, um, apparently, uh, according to Lisa McLeod, they're, they're positive, they, she feels confident that there will be a season. She wants it in Ontario and she wants Hamilton and Ottawa to open up or to step up because she feels like if they don't, it will be held in Winnipeg. Yeah. Well,
1: I, I don't think I think realistically the only option then if it's down to Hamilton and Ottawa has to be Ottawa, right? Like Hamilton is too close to Toronto to do that. Don't I you mean,
0: think? The like Hamilton itself has the facilities to handle it. Well, your other option is split them. I mean you could send them to McMaster and Guelph, but that's a far track
1: between each other. Well I mean your your two options is at that point to have one team host it the whole thing or split west to Ottawa, east to Hamilton or vice versa, right?
0: Yeah, I mean I think for Ottawa, I mean I've talked about it plenty of times on on Twitter and I set out a pretty good plan in my opinion that it would work. Would if you so for anyone who's not familiar with Ottawa, we have two or we have two universities, we have Ottawa, We have University of Ottawa and we have Carleton University. Carleton University is on one end of the city and Ottawa University is on the other end of the city. Both have their own fields, you know. Both universities have the capabilities of hosting each division. You can have the, the West at Carleton and the Easton for at Ottawa, they both play out of the same, you know, Ottawa plays, East plays out of Ontario Stadium. It's secluded. It's hard to get to. You can easily manage who's coming in and out of it. Carlton's the same way. You can easily manage who's coming in and out of it. And then you just have the the Great Cup at TD Place. It wouldn't be hard to do. This way you'd be able to have as many games as you want in a day. You know, you have your doubleheader, you can have your Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or you can like you can make it work with however you want to make it. And you'd be able to bubble them off easily. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to
1: be interesting to see what comes down the line. I hope Dave Naylor is wrong. He's usually pretty reliable for some of the stuff he says, especially, you know, what he's been able to tell me so far. So, uh, I don't know. We're running a poll right now on our Twitter about if you think there's going to be a season or not. Let me pull up the results for that real quick. As As of right now, that poll sits at 54% no. 46% yes. So you can't get too much closer to 50-50 on whether there's going to be a season or not, as far as our followers are concerned. But if you want to go vote in that poll, uh, check out our Twitter.
0: Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's was, that was an interesting conversation. Frankie has posted an article on our website about it. So go read the article. For more information there. That being said, we're going to head into a break. Before we do that, we will be announcing our winners – for the Doug Flutie Maximum Football. You will be contacted. You're listening to this Friday morning. You probably haven't been contacted yet, but we will contact you sometime Friday before 4 p.m. as we get things settled with the codes for your win. So we are going to start off with the winner of the uh, Xbox. Username is 1919 bears for the xbox one and then for the ps4 it is mile wolf bpm for the right
1: it's it's at mike wolf bpm my fat thumbs cannot type <laughs> properly
0: okay well yes yeah, so it's at mike wolf bpm for ps4 uh, congratulations to our two winners you will be contacted uh, on Friday with the entry codes for the game. Uh, thank you all for for participating in this giveaway. It was a pleasure. Uh, I know it was a long one because you know it's two and a half weeks um, we are looking at having another giveaway in early August so stay tuned for that I think uh, I think it'll be fun one so we'll with that we will head into the break and we come back we will have Ottawa Red Blacks' Marco Dubois joining us to talk about this strange year of 2020, along with some of the 2019 incidences that happened with the Ottawa Red Blacks and much, much more. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back with that.
1: All right, everybody, welcome back to the 13th Man Podcast. Uh, We have yet another player interview. We've got Ottawa Red Blacks fullback Marco Dubois. Marco, how you doing? Pretty good. You? Oh, I'm excellent, thank you. Uh, very, very happy that you decided to come on with us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, man. So first things first, we want to ask you a little bit about last season. Obviously, it was a a pretty tough season for everybody involved, including the fans. Um, what was the general consensus of the season? How do you guys improve on that?
2: Well, it was painful because we didn't really have uh, we didn't know where to go. Our offense really never. We never had a groove. Um, a lot of injuries as well. Um so in my first year uh in twenty and twenty eighteen, we went to the Grey Cup. So I learned how to win and go like in the playoffs and go till the final game. But last year I gotta say, uh it was it was more of a humbling experience for me and for the guys because we didn't we weren't uh, we weren't uh, used to lose like that every game. And it was really tough for for the the team spirit and everything. So yeah, I mean, I've learned a lot on a personal standpoint because uh, Jay Siebel, you got injured, so I got to start like uh, eight games at fullback. So I, I I played a lot of snaps on offense and uh, a lot of snaps on uh, special teams as well. So it was a lot of learning, but it was it was it was hard at times because losing most of our games was really you trying to you trying to not point fingers and you're trying to just be positive, but it's really hard to do when you, you don't win any games.
1: What was it like for you guys on a week-to-week basis? I know we talked to uh, Sherrod Baltimore and Jonathan Rose a little bit earlier in the offseason, and they were saying some stuff that, you know, guys were starting to lose interest on the defensive side of the ball, at least. was Was that the same case on the offensive side of the ball, or did everybody still have their head in it towards the end of the year?
2: Well, at the end of the year you're still you're playing for a contract I mean I'm still on my rookie contract and I want to show every everybody on the in the league that I can play on offense and I can play special teams in this league for a long time so I I wouldn't say some guys gave up but um it's harder to go to practice and it's harder to be motivated because you know you're not gonna you're not gonna make the playoffs obviously but um I wouldn't say like we're we're competitors so there's there's no there's no point of giving up when you're there, but it was it was definitely harder than the, the previous the previous year.
1: So obviously, you guys want to leave that season in the past. Uh, we'll move to some of the off-season moves. Um, mm. Nick Arbuckle was the headlining move for you guys. Have you been in contact with him? Maybe uh, had a workout here or there with him.
2: Not really, not yet, because uh, I didn't have the chance to go back to Ottawa yet because of all the the COVID that happened and all the the lockdown. But uh, one thing that I know is that he's a really uh, serious guy. I think he's gonna be he's gonna he's gonna be our leader. He's a, he's the guy for for us this year. He's gonna make a big difference for us because last year we didn't we didn't get our groove at that position. I think we were still trying to figure out some things, and with that that guy at number one, I think will be will be in good hands and uh, I'm excited as well to play for Coast La Police he just he just came from a really, really successful year so I think he can bring us like a winning mentality back in Ottawa
1: where is your level of optimism and excitement for the offense this year because you know realistically some some pretty high profile names were brought in including Nick Arbuckle obviously and as well to a lesser extent, as far as name recognition goes, a guy like Jalen Saunders.
2: Yeah, I think he can be really he can be a sleeper. This guy, he was really good when he didn't get injured uh, when he was playing for Hamilton. And I think we could be really optimistic for next year because it can go just it can be just better than last year because really we didn't we didn't perform at our best. And I think we can just be better next year because we have new pieces and we'll we'll try to find new chemistry now and with the new coaches and just it's a fresh new start. And I think it, it's really uh, – it's a good thing to be optimistic on offense for next year.
0: What do you think the, advantage of be, the advantages of being a French-speaking player in Ottawa is for, for the fan base? Because the whole thing is that a lot of people consider the Red Blocks being like an English team. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the Quebec side, the guy and Hall kind of feel left out. Do you feel like there's that extra pressure of being one of the – The few, I believe now, one of the few French-speaking players on the team.
2: Well, I don't think it's an extra pressure. I think it's just it's it's even it's fun. It's fun to play for a team that has both languages because you get the chance to talk with the fans in English and and then you see the fans in French and everyone loves you. So because you try to make an effort to speak English when you have English media, but you also you're glad to speak French when there's French people. And you'd be surprised there's a lot of French fans in Ottawa and getting. and they they they're really supportive of us. And even some people from Montreal now are fans of the Red Blacks because the success we had in the in the in the years uh, lately. And uh, with all the French players that I have, there's a lot of fan base uh, growing in Montreal too.
0: Is there a, like do you guys chirp like you and Perno? Obviously defense like defense offense. Do you guys chirp in French? Or- Always, oh, all
2: the time, all the time. We 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 talk to our teammates on, in English, but you know when it's training camp and you're kind of tired and you're you're just around the table and you're having breakfast you don't wanna it's like it's an extra effort for me to speak english because i got i gotta think more you know but when we're we're just tired we're just speaking French and sometimes some people they, they think we're we're just uh we're just talking smack about them we're just tired but uh when you're on the field and you get emotional and for sure we're gonna we're not gonna speak English to each other we're gonna we're gonna scream at it. We're we're pretty uh we're intense guys. Everyone knows that the French mafia is really, we we're not we're loud people. So, yeah, you can speak, you can hear us speak French on the field all the time.
1: I was just gonna bring up the French mafia too. What's what's that like in the Red Blacks locker room? I'm sure that's a unique thing that other teams don't have.
2: Yeah, it's huge. I think it's it's really it's a for me personally it has been a, a big part of my my uh, my transition to the CFL all these French guys that know how to do it they know how to be a pro and they speak your, your language. It, it helps a lot. And I think, um, it's a great group of guys we got and the guys that are, that I've been, that I did that want to break up like JP Balduke and, uh, and Antoine Pruno. uh, these guys, they, they've been successful. They know how to do it and they, they help you just achieve your goals. And they, they, they're like big brothers for me. And, uh, I hope to do the same things, the same thing with the the new rookies that are coming in.
1: You mentioned the coaching staff change earlier this year, or earlier earlier here. Have you had a chance to talk to Paul Lapolis yet?
2: Yeah, we've we've had some uh, meetings online a little bit uh, before the 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 COVID uh, lockdown and everything. And uh, I think he's really excited to come to Ottawa. He's really excited to have an opportunity to be head coach again, and you can see that he's really. He wants us to he wants to turn this this franchise around and I think he, he knows how to do it he has a plan he's a really smart guy and uh, I'm really happy he's with us because I've met him at my, at my draft year. Uh, we, we had a, an interview and I always thought that this this coach was really like uh, well organized and he knows he knows a lot about football and he's really creative that's a thing that we, we, uh, we all like on offense. Uh, I think he knows how to, how to use uh, every weapon that he has. And uh, that's really that's
0: that's cool. So you're coming from Laval, which, if you follow U Sports, you know, has been a powerhouse for the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And what's your opinion on what's going on with U Sports and how the RCQ hasn't made a decision on if it's playing in this season or if it's not playing this season? Well, first of all, I
2: think that all the seniors that are going to lose a year of eligibility, I think that's really unfair, and I think they really should change that because I'd be I'd be really frustrated because it's something out of your control, and it really it really sucks for these guys. So that's the first thing I think about this. Um, the decision on not canceling the season yet, I'm I don't I'm not too sure about that one. I don't know. I mean, if I was still playing university, I would want to play a season because you don't want to lose like the momentum, and you don't want to. But I I mean, it's not a it's not going to be a Canadian championship. It's only going to be a, a regional champ, provincial championships. So I'm not sure about that. I don't know. To be honest, I, I didn't really think about that yet, but um, if they can still train and just keep, keep working, that'll be good. But I think it sucks for the rest of Canada because there's some, there's some provinces that they don't have any cases or so that we might play in, in the CFL and they can't even have university sports. I think that's, that doesn't make sense.
1: So, if you were the head of the RSEQ, I believe is the league. I always mix up some of those letters there. Uh, would you just be shutting it down or would you be trying to play?
2: That's a really good question. I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. I think it's it's unfair for the other programs. But at the same time, is if the guys want to play, just let them play. And if there's some people that want to see the games, they're going to come see the games and they're going to watch on TV and so, I don't know. I think it's a bad situation. I think it's really unpre- unprecedented, and uh, I I understand them that they don't really they're not really sure what to do, and they just want to have the they just want the kids to be happy and just play. But uh, it's a hard hard decision to make.
1: So speaking of letting them play, uh, I believe that there was a survey sent out to the CFLPA. And the majority of players said that they wanted to come back and play. Uh, Are you in the boat of wanting to go back to play right now?
2: Oh, for sure. I want to play because I mean, you know, as a football player, you always want to be on the field. You always want to come back at the end of the season. You're always tired. You're always like bruised up and everything. But when a month goes by and then you just want to go back on the field because we train so hard for this. I mean, I, I train six days a week and I, I don't train because I enjoy training. I, I train because I enjoy being a good football player. It's something that brings me a lot of competing against others on the field brings me a lot of joy. It's not only about like winning it, like uh, earning a lot of money doing it or whatever. It's just I want to compete and I want to play. And I don't want to miss a whole year not playing. So, for, of course, I won. We want to be – we all want to be back on the field as soon as possible. We want to have good conditions, though. We want to – we want it to be safe we want it to be uh, we want to give a, a good show to everybody so we're trying to figure out a, a solution and i think we're going to have an answer in a few weeks
1: obviously this would likely have to be done inside of a bubble um, would would you be prepared to make the sacrifices required to go inside of the bubble
2: yeah i mean that would be easy for me because i'm i'm still a young guy i don't have a family i don't have i don't have kids uh, I mean, I would I would be definitely open to do it to do that. But I can understand some other guys that have kids that have children that would be tough for them to to do that. And now there's another there's another thing is that some guys found new jobs and some guys found some good jobs. So I don't know what's what's going to happen with that. Some guys might not be interested in playing because they found other jobs. But uh, I mean, it's up it's up to 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 make the good choice for you. I mean, for me personally, I think I have a lot of things to do in this league again. So I'm just just waiting to see now.
1: And I know you were telling me that you were one of the people that have found a job in the offseason. Was that yeah. a planned thing before the off season happened that you knew you were going to go get a job or did that happen when the pandemic started?
2: Yeah, I was because I, I studied in HR uh, at University at Laval and I always planned to you know, do something in the off season so I can so I can have a good uh, good resume when I finish my football career. But then I got an opportunity that I didn't expect. Uh, I got a job. I got super lucky, and uh, it was in March, right before the, the the lockdown. So I just I just took the job, and uh, I'm just I'm I'm working 40 hours, 30 32 to 40 hours a week, uh, training. And uh, I'm really, I'm really uh, lucky and happy to have a job right now because a lot of my teammates they need to find other jobs that don't they don't necessarily want to do, but they have they have bills bills to pay, so they they have no choice. So yeah, I got lucky on that.
1: So the the most recent news has been, well, not most recent, but the rumor going around is that if there is a season, it would be a six game season. Uh, do you think a six game season is worth it for the guys that would have to come from the states?
2: It depends on every on every person again some guys are young guys that have uh they, they have something to prove if you're if you're twenty seven years old and you didn't play a lot of games in the c f l you need that game film you need you can't afford to to have an extra year not playing and not showing anything so I think for these guys it's really important for, for us to have a season because they might get lost and they might they might get cut if they don't uh show anything this year some some older guys are established in the league maybe it's not as important for them because you know they earn a lot of money and they've they they've done what they had to do but I mean in that in that perspective I think a season would be beneficial for everybody we just want to do it in a safe environment
0: that's the only thing What has your training been like since COVID happened because you know Mm -hmm. are you preparing for a season or are you kind of just because i know a lot of players have been talking about oh i'm just kind of staying in shape but not doing that like the same kind of routine or same kind of level of workouts that they would do if they were getting ready for a season so what what is your workout routine like
2: on a personal standpoint i've been i've been doing the same off season that i've been doing in the previous years uh i'm just i'm running three uh, days a week, and I've been lifting three days a week. I've been catching balls with uh, one of the quarterbacks from uh, Montreal, Hugo Richal, my, my uh, old quarterback from, uh, from Laval. So I'm really preparing like there's going to be a season. And as soon as I know we don't have a season, I might adjust and I might cut a little bit the, the volume of training. But right now, because I want to be prepared, I want to be ready for the season if there's one. And you don't want to come in tra- into training camp and be out of shape or just not be fully prepared. I think it's our job to find a way. I, mean, I know it's tough, it's been tough for me because I didn't know where to go to the gym because there was no gym, there was nothing. So I had to, I had to uh, build my own gym. I, build a, I built a squat rack uh, with four by fours in my garage. Uh, I got some, so I bought some plates and I got a, a barbell from my, from my gym and I did everything I could do. So I've I got no regrets in that in that perspective, and yeah, I'm just I'm just preparing like there's a season.
1: So where where are you right now, if you don't mind me asking?
2: I'm in. You call that in, in French? It's BOSE. It's near Quebec City. It's about forty minutes from Quebec City. So yeah, I work I work with the farmers over there. I'm the I'm the HR advisor for farmers. We produce pork.
1: So, so yeah, how, it was not;
2: it wasn't planned at all to come to Bose.
1: How is it looking for you guys, uh, COVID-related over there?
2: Um, well, it's it's been uh, we the lockdown is over for for it's been a few weeks now. Uh, we're gonna have to wear masks uh, in every public uh, indoors indoors in every public uh, place like uh, groceries and stuff like that. Even to the gym, you have to wear a mask when you come in. But when you train, you can take it off. And then when you just go to a changing room, you have to wear a mask. So the main thing right now is the, we all have to wear masks and indoors.
0: Yeah, basically the same as Ottawa has just entered on Friday. Friday morning when this episode ends. Okay. We'll, we'll be entering stage three of Ontario's four-stage plan of reopening. Okay.
1: Which opens everything except for concerts and sports pretty much, which is yeah. fantastic for us.
0: Yeah, yeah I mean, no, that's from a sports so.
1: perspective. I'm
0: um, Toronto on this, so that's yeah. that's positive.
1: But the reason I asked that is, what is it like? Like, are you able to get field access, or do you have to? Yeah,
2: at the beginning, we we, we weren't allowed because um, police was was just saying you can't go there, and you just have to train on on the street, on the road. Literally, you can't you can't go to you can't go to fields. But now, now it's allowed, so we just go. We, there's some uh, football teams that practice over there uh, at the fields in Quebec City and uh, in the area where I live. So we, I just go run routes there, and uh, it's fine for now. But uh, for the first weeks, uh, we had to, I had to run on the highway, basically. It was really, it was really tough to, to find a way to, to keep running because it's a really important aspect of the offseason, obviously.
0: So just a little off track for, for Red Blacks, but tell us a little bit about uh, Hugo. You know, not a lot of people know him. All that a lot of people know is that he was one of the, the top-rated quarterbacks in youth sports, and, you know, Montreal got him, and there's been a yeah. little bit of buzz around him. So so can you give us any kind of insight on what, what he's like as a player, a teammate?
2: Well, I'd say, and it's debatable, but for, in my opinion, he's one of the greatest quarterbacks if not the great, the great quarterback, the greatest quarterback of the uh, history, because uh, he's he's been through some a, a lot of adversity. He's been a really good leader for us, and he's grown a lot in his years. And um, for I've, I've been training with him right now, and he's improving every week. He's just he's a hardworking guy, and he's you know he, he hasn't really had his chance uh, in the CFL. But I think he can do a lot of things. I, I, I see him play uh, receiver, fullback, anything. He's, really, he's a really good athlete, and he's a hard worker and a really smart guy. He's an engineer. He's a, he lives uh, near where I live right now. And uh, he's, he has, like, uh, the same schedule as me right now. He works a lot as an engineer, and he's just training a lot. So, yeah, all positive about him.
1: Do you think he could be, like, a Taysom Hill kind of guy that comes out and plays a bunch of different yeah. positions?
2: Yeah, that's not a crazy idea. That's that that could be viable in the CFL. He, I think he would have to work on his speed a little bit because you when you talk about Tyson Hill, uh, Tyson Hill, that's a guy that that runs like a four three, four four at two two uh, thirty, which you go is not. But uh, it could be. Uh, it could it could look like that.
1: Sounds like I have to add him to my list of guys who could be starters come next year.
2: Yeah, for sure. At the, at, on special teams at the fullback position, he has the shot. I'm sure about that. He has a good size, and he has good. He's elusive. He's really surprising.
0: Yeah, six-two, two twenty-five. That's perfect. Like yeah, fullback. Size.
2: Oh yeah.
1: So I'll bring you back to uh, the, the 2020 season. Uh, we had a conversation with um, Dave Naylor, and he says that he's not too optimistic about there being a season. What is your level of optimism right now regarding a season?
2: Uh, it's gonna it's gonna depend on the guys who vote. It's it I am not not too sure about that. I don't know. I didn't talk to many guys right now, but I know I want to play, but I'm not sure it's everyone that wants to play. So because there's there's some things that we need to figure out. There's some things that have been offered to us, which I I won't I won't. Uh, there's some things that. We we might not be fully uh, satisfied, so some guys might vote no, vote no of not playing. So and I think we need to have an an answer really soon. So if if we don't, we're not uh, we don't have an agreement. It's just not gonna happen. So we'll see, man. It's just uncertainty again.
0: What's your opinion if you can't answer on? The way that some of the player, like the players, are dragging the CFL through the mud on Twitter and social media.
2: Uh, that's a tough topic. Um, I think they're not they're not too uh, they're not wrong to do they're not wrong to do it because there's some things that the CFL and the commissioner have done that we're, we totally do not agree, and it's just some we wouldn't we will would appreciate it if we would have been um, in the process, in the negotiations. And sometimes we, nobody asked for our opinion. And we're, we're people uh, playing on the field, sacrificing our bodies. I mean, every employee in the CFL is important. Don't get me wrong. But the players, I mean, you have to ask the players when you try to negotiate about something. And I, th- I think some, that's, that's a major point that made us really be disappointed in our, uh, in our uh, commissioner.
0: So there's something, like, there's stuff that's going behind the scenes that isn't being reported by the league or by TSN that the players obviously know about, but no one else does, right? This is basically kind of the gifs of what you're saying?
2: Yeah, and uh, there's there's some things that we're not even uh, aware of, that the, the 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 there's negotiation with the government, and we're not even involved in the process. We might be right now a little bit more, but at the beginning of all this, we didn't know nothing. We have we we just received some emails from our CBA, and, which they didn't know. They didn't know more than us. But um, yeah, I mean, there's a major issue in uh, communication right now, and I think we we need to fix that after all this is done.
1: Now they just brought something that the PA had signed. They're now presenting that to the government, which, from a fan's point of view, is is good news that communications have gotten maybe just a little bit better since the beginning of this pandemic. Uh, Do you think that things have gotten a little bit better or are they still kind of rocky?
2: I think we'll see when we have – if we have an agreement. If we have an agreement on how to play the season, that's going to indicate if we've been having great uh, discussion with the both parties. But for now, uh, to be honest, I'm not really aware of what's going on because I'm just – Focusing on my work and just focusing on getting ready if there's a season and and participating in, in the, the surveys and stuff like that but I'm not too aware what's going on in the negotiating part of it
0: once What's, uh, what's Desjardins like as a, as a GM as a person, you know when the whole Rick Campbell thing happened, there was a lot of different opinions surfacing uh, so if you can't answer that question, what, what's your personal opinion on Desjardins and like OSEG as a, as a whole for an organization?
2: Well, for sure, I'm going to be biased because Marcel is the person that drafted me. So he, he, he's one of the, the, the few uh, people in the football world that gave me a chance to play. So for sure, for me, uh, Marcel, I think is a great GM. I think he's a smart guy. And um, I think he's done a phenomenal job with the Red Blacks. Um, I don't know the details of his relationship with Rick and we never, there's, it was never apparent to us that there was an issue or what, whatever it's being told in the, in the media. Uh, I think he's, he's always been professional with us. Same for Rick. Um, the only thing I can say is they both did their job. They don't, they both, I know it's a, it's a boring answer, but that's really the way I feel about these two guys. They've always been good to me and, uh, I can't say nothing about them about what
1: they did yeah the boring answer is okay because from what we've seen from the outside too there was never any evidence that anything had ever gone wrong between the two of them Uh, maybe until you know it was announced that Rick Campbell was moving on from the team and that was probably the first inkling that anybody ever got that anything had gone wrong
2: and and I think these two guys are the reason why Ottawa has such a good reputation in the uh, a good a good uh they're known to be a good organization, and that's all around the league. You know, when, you, when you're in the draft process, all the guys, they all hope to be drafted by Ottawa. That, that I can tell you that all the guys from Laval, we used to, to be at our, our draft, and they were all saying, like, they wanted to be drafted by Ottawa because you when you play for Ottawa, you get well-treated, and you get the right answers, and you get, you get what you want if you work for it, obviously.
1: And that makes us feel good because we're we're both pretty big Red Blacks fans, so. We can't complain about anything like that being said.
2: Yeah, man. I mean, and everything about Ottawa is great—the fans, the stadium. So that's why right now I'm trying to focus on my job and everything, just to not to think too much about it because we we miss it really. I miss it a lot. I miss being in, in Ottawa Ottawa TD Place, man. It's just it's so special for me to play there because uh, I've had a like a rocky career at Laval. You know, I played. I didn't play a lot on offense, and uh, you know. I was a bit frustrated about that, and Ottawa is really special for me because they re- they're really giving me a chance and they're believing me, and that's the, that's the thing that I really take to heart. You know, it's really important for me.
0: Did you play against, or play with Adam McLeer when with LeBlanc, or did he come in shortly before, like shortly after you left? Because he's only a year younger than you.
2: Yeah, yeah, we played together. We actually won a Vanier Cup in 2016 uh, against Calgary together. He's a great guy. That's a real soldier. He trains with us right now. He's training with, with our group here. And uh, he's, he's actually from Bose, from where I am right now. And uh, we train with him and his brother, Anthony, that plays in the NFL right now. Um, so, yeah, he's, he's a real, that's a really good pick for Ottawa. I was, really, I was really happy when they selected him.
1: So, quickly, before we let you go, we'll, we'll ask you, what, what do you think he can bring to the Red Blacks?
2: Um I think he's a future Antoine Bruno to be honest. I think he's a he's going to be a guy that can play on defense and he can play he can play either linebacker, safety, halfback uh, and he's going to be a he's going to contribute a lot on special teams in his first year that's for sure because he's a guy that's you know when you play on special teams for sure it's about speed, it's about strength, but it's about it's a mentality game too. When you're like, he's a, he's a real dog, he's a real, he's a fighter. So I think he's going to have a great career on special teams, that's for sure. And I think he, he's a guy that can be, uh, that can start on defense eventually.
1: Yeah. I mean, anybody who you can put in the category of an Antoine Pruno in this city, you automatically are going to love. So you can't for complain sure. about that. For sure.
0: Well, yeah, I think uh, I don't have any other questions. Appreciate you for, for your time. Oh my pleasure, guys. Work and whatnot. So it's greatly appreciated to come out and talk to us.
2: I hope to see you guys soon at TD Place, man. And I hope uh, everyone's safe in Ottawa. Can't wait to 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 be to be back on the field and just play football, man. That's all we want.
0: Yeah, can't wait. Honestly, hope hope next couple of weeks we get some news. Hopefully, first week of August at the latest, we'll get some sort of information on what happens.
2: Yep. All right then. Thank you, Marco. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. <laughs> Have a wonderful one. So that's going to do it for this
1: episode of the 13th Man Podcast. Once again, thank you to Marco Dubois for joining us. It was an excellent conversation, and we hope you came away with some new information that you didn't know before. We hope to see you on next Tuesday's episode when we look over the depth chart of the Montreal Alouettes. And if you are looking for our social media accounts, you can find us at 13 Pod on both Facebook and Twitter, and as well on Instagram. And if you're looking for the articles that we've been putting out, you can find those on 13thmanpodcast.com. And again, we hope to see you back here on Tuesday, and enjoy the rest of your day.